0: This is the Crucible, the JRTC experience. Hey, Eight to my position. Over. Okay.
1: This is, if I would
2: have only known, a candid conversation with leaders. In this series, we discuss brigade
0: combat team warfighting skills and lessons learned in a decisive action training environment for large scale combat operations at JRTC.
2: Hi, I'm uh, Colonel Matt Hardman, the commander of operations group, and thanks for joining us for another episode of The Crucible. And so we're here at JRTC, uh, the Army's leadership laboratory. And we're fortunate enough to have two great officers. And so I'll ask you to introduce yourselves just fresh off rotation with uh, a GMO from uh, 182 The Devils.
3: Sir, uh, so I'm Major Doug Meyer. I'm um, the uh, Battalion XO in 2501, uh, the, real, the real Geronimo. Um, good Geronimo. The good, good, Geronimo.
2: Geronimo. good Geronimo. Good Geronimo.
1: The real Geronimo.
2: <laughs>
1: and I'm Major Tony from Mike. I'm the Battalion S3 for Geronimo. Okay. And how long have you been in the brigade? I've been in the brigade since August of this year. So
2: a whole, a whole like 90
1: days. (laughs) The whole organization has had me um, messing things up on the calendar for a quarter. sir.
2: Good deal. Doug,
1: 15 months. Okay.
2: And you, what were you doing before?
3: I was the battalion S3.
2: Okay. So everything was great when you left Mm -hmm. it. No, I've wrecked it since. Yeah. Not at all. Great. Not at all. Hey, so uh, like quick hot takes, right? So, you know, General Milley, when he was the chief of staff of the <coughs> army and, and really uh, refocusing the combat training centers on uh, large-scale combat operations you know before my rotation as a battalion commander I remember him very distinctly saying like hey this is meant to be a crucible experience and it's meant to be Ranger school for
1: you know field grade yeah. officers and sergeant majors so uh, did we deliver yeah absolutely yes, yes. I uh I've done four CTC rotations as RTU. This was definitely the most physically exhausting of them. I think part of that's a factor of terrain. This is my first as RTU at JRTC. Yeah. Um, not driving around all the time. Not driving around all the
0: time.
1: <laughs> and, not, and, and not living in a big Hall for a lot yeah. of the rotation as well, sir. Yeah. Um, and also the sleep deprivation definitely take, takes its toll at, at the battalion staff level. I think I got a well-developed case of poison ivy and cellulitis. So, yeah, Ranger School check marks all the Good. way down the
2: block But you guys did well on patrols. You didn't get peered. That's right. No yeah. spot reports. Well, not too many spot reports. So you got out of uh, Fullerton and Peace on Phase
3: and back to Fort Bragg. What about you, Doug? Yeah, I would agree. It absolutely delivered. Uh, same four, four CTC rotations as RTU, three at NTC. Uh, and then this one here, and, and this has been the closest to a ranger school experience. Part of that is the dismounted fight. Um, but part of it, I think was the, the constant, um, the constant action and not having those tack freezes, uh, or those, you know, sobi you know, yeah. as, as they called them an NTC, um, where it was, I mean, real quick, stop, talk to your OC about, you know, how you're doing and then right back into it. I think I heard, was it total of eight hours that we had in tack yeah, It's about eight hours total yeah. of tack freeze. And so, I mean, there, there were, it was a continuous fight, um, that really caused uh, battalion leadership as far as you know, you know Tony and I to have to ruthlessly adhere to a battle rhythm uh, and to constantly stay in a, in a planning cycle because it wasn't okay here's this first phase you're doing the offense yeah. now let's stop everyone Kumbaya now let's here's go into an another order from plan the
1: for the next phase. now here's yeah. the next
3: phase no I mean it was constant iteration the way that I would think, what we what we think combat you know is and will be in the future and yeah, so yeah
2: large scale combat is going to be you know we think uh, very high tempo mm-hmm. um, all right what else what were the other big big takeaways that you had um, I mean you so first job as a as a major right uh, no sir what third job third
1: as job major. yeah I'm oh, sorry I was a division G 35 planner and then the information warfare guy for the division before I came down okay to the battalion. Um, so you're like old hat in the 82nd. A little bit, sure. Okay, good deal. <laughs>
2: um, well, we got backup because I just like I like everybody's origin story. So give me your origin
1: story, where you're from, sure. where you went to school, <clears throat> first duty assignment, all that stuff. Yes, sir. Um, military brat my dad was in, retired in 2009, the same year I commissioned out of West Point. My first duty station was up in Alaska with, I think it's now 2nd Brigade, 11th Airborne Division. Back. Which, which battalion were you in? I was in 1-5, sure. So. so you were in, the, in 1501 i was uh no oh, no Bobcat up north up north north of okay Wall, sir right on who what year was that that was 2010 to 2013
2: sir okay so who was your battalion commander back then
1: colonel brian Payne.
2: okay right on um, i know i know i've known a couple bobcat sixes in my time
1: all right and then where'd you command as a company commander uh 173rd uh the rock in Vicenza Italy, sir. All right. Who'd you have as a battalion commander? I had uh, Colonel Mike Klepper and then Colonel J.D. Kiersey. were both my battalion commanders, sir. In
2: in spite of their phenomenal leadership, here you are. (laughs) and uh, (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) No, those are two. You're really, really fortunate. Yes, Uh, sir. Blessed to have had two great leaders commanding you.
3: Doug? Uh, Baltimore boy, born and raised, Norwich University, and then... um, uh after after my, my stint as uh you know bending school for boys where we were actually in ranger school yep. together right. in the same in the same squad and platoon um 101st in second grade 101st as a lieutenant uh from 10 to 13 uh career course then went out to jblm and I was uh, three different battalions within uh what's now one two striker brigade combat team. So I was um AS3 and 520 infantry, then went over and was the HHT com- uh commander in 114 CAV. And then was in one two three infantry. Which company in one two three? The best one, Apache. Okay. Um, all right. And then uh, and what was your favorite platoon there? Oh, second platoon. Ugh. Yeah, sorry, Earth Pigs. Uh, I was uh, yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I was uh, in third platoon, Apache Company. Okay, I and mean, I was Apache
3: Five too. Okay, so it was it was uh, I think the the name's probably stuck. It was Scalper. Yeah, uh, yeah, Scalper platoon. Yeah. They, I, I'll be honest, I loved all three of those platoons. No, right. I'm just but, teasing. But uh, Earth Earth Pigs, and what I told you know them is they were the closest that I saw that was like what my platoon was when I was platoon leader in the 101st. And so like there was that culture, it was the yeah. nostalgia piece there. Yeah. Um, definitely didn't make them the best, but uh, yeah. So yeah, it was interesting. And then um, three years in DC, um, Georgetown joint staff, J5 cyber policy, and then Chief of the Ops to Operation Warp Speed, and then came to uh, came to Geronimo.
2: Okay, and then you, you did you did some time here, right? Yes, sir. What were you doing here in the operations uh, group?
1: I was um, in Task Force Two the entire time. I started out as a uh, four-zero team OC, so weapons platoon. I was the three alpha for a couple of rotations, so we got to see battalion staffs as we were unveiling the date rotation, but not quite where it is now in, in maturity. And then I was the three-zero senior. So uh, okay, for the. Um, one of the company seniors. What year were you here as a OCT? 13 to 15, sir. Right before I went to Italy. Okay. Yeah. Who was your task force senior? Then? Colonel Jeremy Schroeder was the okay. senior,
2: Okay. Right on. Yep. All right. Well, good. Well, all right, gentlemen. So we got that all out of the way, where everybody's from and, and all that good stuff. Um... <laughs> And you guys have had you know diverse experiences, some striker time for both you airborne experience, air assault, and then and then back in uh the eighty second All American Division. It's pretty awesome. Um, so you know, just be interested from a battalion field grade perspective, you know, what are the biggest takeaways? What would you learn um about preparing a battalion, fighting a battalion for large scale combat operations?
3: Yeah. Um the piece that I think, you
2: know... F- and, oh, and by the way, what you don't get to do is like your other field grade was like, you know, let you down, right? Not yeah. here. No, no, no. Okay. no. So, you know what? I'll, I'll actually start with that. <laughs> Scratch it. Right. Right. Uh, uh, remove that, remove that. No. <laughs> we,
3: uh, one. I, I'll actually, I'll start with something that different than what I was going to start with based on that <clears> comment. <throat> um, and not everyone's this lucky, but um, starting like, for, I think the battalion can often go the direction that the functionality of the top five is. If they're a functioning team and yeah. they get along. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't possibly be more lucky than to have this guy right here uh, next to me. And I've been I've been super lucky when I was a Battalion S three. The XO was Tom Goodman, and we grew up together. Yeah, um, awesome. And we, so we just having a counterpart. That's probably the first one. Is are they a functioning team? Because when sleep gets low, oh, when yeah. tensions get high, you will see your Ranger buddy and see their you know their true colors. Um, and so that's probably the first thing. The second one I would go with is. Um, uh, Systems that are tried, tested, and validated before you come here, SOPs, uh, I think we fought our PSOP and our CP SOP, uh, and we had validated them through um, LTP, our CTE you know, event, and then also through CPXs. And we saw where the gaps were coming out here, and they certainly yeah. weren't perfect. But having that baseline, I think, made a huge difference.
1: So. I'm going to just elaborate on both of those points. I think both of those things speak both the relationships as well as the validation of our of our equipment and planning processes. Speak to preparation before you come here, and I think that's important. I mean, it's a known quantity what you're going you, into. D- you mean just don't show up and do it live? Don't just change. show up and do it Can't live. Can't Bill O'Reilly this? The, no. the The decision to place Doug and I together was a deliberate one that our leadership made, knowing that we had gone through Ranger I Bullock, Triple C together, and that we knew each other. That was, and it was a really good call to make because you don't want to have any room for error. I think in your field great relationship. Um, likewise, our PSOP op is an exhaustively engineered piece of work. I mean, it's it's probably 100 pages plus of laminated formats that we have yeah. actually used every iteration that we Do you get. know
2: like the genesis of that thing? I mean, was, did you like, did yeah. somebody like hand it down in a ritual to you?
3: So it was, uh, we, there was a PSOP that uh, when Lieutenant Colonel Dave Webb was the battalion commander, yeah. they had fought in the previous rotation um, with their two field grades and I wasn't there for that. We took that uh, PSOP and we'd iter- iterated on it and used it. And then when Lieutenant Colonel Myers came in, Um, We used it before, right before Tony came in, um, used it at kind of a multi-echelon training event where we were doing uh, testing the IVAS system Mm -hmm. uh, for the Army, which is really a company focused event, but we pulled the battalion out there, did some reps uh, on MDMP out in the field, practiced our wargaming. We saw where the gaps were both, I think in the document as it stood, but then also in a new leadership leadership group and what we were trying to get to. And so that's where we pulled that document, which was admittedly much smaller, but we just determined there wasn't enough detail to synchronize a battalion operation. It doesn't mean that we needed to fill the whole thing out. He said, you know, about a hundred pages. Mm-hmm. We didn't fill the whole thing out once. Um, I think the closest we got to filling the whole thing out with the full matrix order and full fighting products was right before going into the box. But then afterwards, um, we determined what are the things we absolutely need those fighting products, and we, mm-hmm. you know, ri- <clears throat> as a ritual, made sure that we kept those up.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, hallmark of. of- you know, good unit has SOPs. Hard mar- hallmark of great unit is actually like lives the SOPs, yeah, right? Yeah, sure. and, I mean, 82nd reputationally and kind of by experience, like in part, it's just the nature of the GRF cycle is like, is, is pretty good with SOPs. But this idea of like, okay, we take SOPs, we inherit SOPs, we practice with them, we continue to constantly revise them because, mm-hmm. you know, things change, organization changes, these things. But at the end of the day, you know, it's like, People before us have probably done pretty good work. Yeah, right? yeah,
3: and that's one of the things that Lieutenant Colonel Myers brought with him from PCC—a version of of Matrix Order that we, yeah. he wanted to look at. He also has his uh, his planning guidance worksheet. six yeah. pages, six pages for,
2: for him I mean, to
1: give us his commander's intent. So
2: we'll we'll, we'll let's talk about that. I, I want to do want to hit on something. I mean, I think you know a lot of folks and. Approach LTP like, hey, we're going to go there and develop our SOPs. You know, no, no, we val- we validated our right. SOP. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. it's, I think you got to really practice your SOPs there. Yeah. And you're always going to come out. I mean, you're going to come out of this rotation and make adjustments to your piece. Yep. Yeah, sure. Um, yep. But I think that you know this idea, um, you, know, you can't <laughs> show up for preseason to be figuring it out. You really got to put in the work ahead of time. The the planning guidance, All right, so talk. Talk to me about how your commander gave you planning guidance. So
1: when we, I'll just talk when we got here to begin the rotation, Um, Arnland, in Arnland, when it was still warm, yes, like the eighty degrees. Yes, Um, before
3: Arnland was disrespectful and went from (laughs) eighty degrees to thirty degrees in two days. You guys, you were here longer than
2: you
1: think, right? It was probably about six Six or seven months months rotation. That's right. Right? Uh, (laughs) Time works a little differently here. Yeah. Carl Myers literally took the. A copy of the PSOP and went into the woods and sat down and sketched out what he understood the problem to be um, and came back to us, not just with what he thinks the problem statement is and what he sees as his desired end state and key task, but like an actual concept sketch of how he thinks or thought the operation ought to unfold. It's easy for us because it's Con Plan 8200, we know we're Team Assault, so a lot of the guesswork has been taken out in terms of what we exist to do and how we'll execute it. Um, but in terms of giving very, very specific PIR, FFIR, CCIR, they're all tied to helping him make decisions and yeah. create options for our higher headquarters. That all got captured on those six pages of information for him to plug on in based off of the division order.
2: So would you? how did he give it to you?
1: Verbally, hand it to oh. you, both? Yeah. Uh, hand it and then walk through because yeah. you know, there's room for misinterpretation. Yeah. Also, some people don't have the best ability to read other people's handwriting, Um, But one thing, again, this goes back to the relationship we have in the top five. Um, We're not an organization where somebody writes something and then leaves it on the desk and doesn't talk about it. Um, Normally, it's very much a, let me put some thought into this 80% product and then discuss it over with everybody who's got equity in the the outcome.
2: And so once you guys got that planning guidance, um, did you ever go back and do like a confirmation brief with them?
3: I think it was. I think it was the same time. Like he would give it to us. We'd go over it. We'd ask a lot of questions. We would try to shoot holes in it. There are no sacred cows in our top five. We like. We will slaughter them all. Uh, And and yeah, and it's very um, open communication style. I think between us. And so at the very end of it, it would be okay, sir. This is what we understand. That's right. Uh,
2: yeah. So I mean, I think one of the things I've seen with like planning guidance, and and that's it. It's like if (laughs) if the planning guidance is written and left on a table and nobody reads it. That you know, then yeah. you know, equals a lot of frustration for a commander and first staff. And and so, what's you know, what I've seen be really useful is exactly what you're describing of where you know, field grades we get to have a dialogue about things. And you know, I like r- talking about it in terms of confirmation briefs and back briefs because like we understand like we do that with subordinate commanders, right? If I'm a commander and I give, I give an order to a subordinate unit, they're going to come back to me like, hey, sir, here's what you told me to do, and you know, and I'm, I'm going to come back to you and this is what I understand it to be. And this is kind of my initial impressions of it. And then after having a little bit of time to think about it, come back, Hey, here's how I'm going to do it. Right. Back brief. Right. Um I was late figuring that out. Uh, I got some good coaching as I was prepping to come through JRTC, really disciplined about writing it. That's one of the things i would learned as a battalion commander, uh, but didn't take that confirmation brief back brief approach. But the, what did you do with it when it was written? Like, okay, he's given guidance. When are we pulling it out?
3: Yeah. So the way that so we would get uh, the order comes in.
1: We do receive a mission. We brief. do
3: receive a mission brief. While well, we're doing that, he's doing his initial right. his initial planning guidance, which is much more bare bones.
1: Yeah. We
3: then take that and we go into mission analysis. It's it's almost like the army gives us doctrine, and then we like do the army thing the way it's the crazy. army tells us to. It's crazy um, talk. And so while we're doing, you're mission- kissing
2: up to me right now, <laughs> yeah. though. You know so, I like
3: doctrine. So we, while we're doing mission analysis, yeah. he's you know off in in the woods talking to a tree and writing his his yeah. you know full guidance, and then we're coming together. Yep. <clears throat> we then take what he's after we've shot holes in it. The, the two of us, That's right. we take that into code dev.
1: Well, and so at the mission analysis yes. brief, he actually reads it word for word yep. off of all six pages to the entire staff yep. so yep. that they understand going forward in, in COA Dev, this is what the boss expects.
2: Yep. Well, how do you use that product at, at the end of COA Dev, right? We complete COA Dev, we got mm-hmm. a COA sketch and statement, and then we're going to do a course of action brief, brief. With, with the commander.
1: Did you guys pull that guidance back out? Yeah. Con- well, I think it's more accurate to say we constantly referenced it as yeah. we were going yeah. through Codev because it's in the same PSOP that we're using to yeah. write all of yeah. our Codev products in. Yeah.
3: Now, we did before we go into the COA Dev, you know, brief to him. Um, we are Before we go into it, I think normally you would review, like, hey, yeah. this is what, uh, what the boss had laid out for us and what he wanted to see. We wouldn't go back through all six pages, but it was you know, what he saw as a feasible, acceptable, yeah. and suitable uh, Coa before then going in and briefing it. Um, and sometimes, you know, whether it was a two-coa or a directed-coa um, uh, situation, it was whether we were then going into, uh, you know, uh, yeah. what type of coa comparison.
2: Yeah, because I think what's really, where we end up diverging a lot of times is like, you guys will identify things, you know. Field grades, majors will identify stuff that's like, okay, hey, the boss told us to you X, Y, and Z, but either the circumstances have changed, there's more information, or hey, he he just didn't understand that, right? He didn't understand like we didn't get allocated what we thought we got allocated. And so the, you know, like at every step of the way, referring back to that guidance, is I think the key is keeping the commander and the staff moving in the same direction together. Yep. Cause it's hard, right? <laughs> like you guys are getting a bunch of inputs from other places he's getting inputs from going out and talking to company commanders, talking to you know brigade commander. I
1: also think that's something that's worth highlighting too, is in the case of our battalion commander, he's very deliberate about, he'll go out and do battlefield circulation, but he comes back to get touch points during COA DEV, during war gaming, mostly yeah. to give us fresh information as he's seeing things on the battlefield but also to give us the opportunity to give him those refinements that we're identifying. Yeah. as we And those are,
3: those are minimums. So <laughs> that's what means. He's very iterative and we all are constantly communicating. So there's no point where it's like he's back from doing battlefield circulation and he's just kind of off in a corner and he's not gonna talk to us until that time that doctor yeah. tells him he's supposed to. No, if he has more information, he's injecting it constantly. And if we have more, we're telling him. And so it's just a constant conversation. Yeah,
2: I do you think like the deliberateness though is like really key? Because yeah. this is like a lot of life's happening. Right. And right? mm-hmm. in, particularly in large scale combat operations. And so, you know, and one of the, the things that, you know, comes up at the battalion and the brigade level, when you talk to enough teams, you watch enough teams, is, you know, four hours of fly like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and the way that battalion commanders update their staffs and the way that staffs update their commanders when they have those gaps um, really takes practice. Right, and you can't. um, It's it's hard. I think until you do an experience like this, it's not one discrete order. But you're doing. You know, the brigade's got three operations going on at once. Right? It's it's planning one, it's it's preparing another, and it's executing a third. Yeah. All that's happening at the brigade level, like simultaneously, and so the battalions probably got a foot. In at least two either prepare
1: and execute or plan prepare and, at the same time. And we we did actually experience that on this rotation. So what we eventually, we you're did, welcome. We didn't, uh, <laughs> thank you.
3: Our land provides. Our land <laughs>
1: provides. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't come into, into the rotation. Somebody make a meme about this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we, uh, we didn't come into the rotation anticipating this at all. This is something we probably yeah. could have prepared better for. Um, but at a certain point, I was going to talk to you about that. Yeah, what's that, sir? Sort of <laughs> that we could have oh. prepared better for it. Actually, yeah. it was like consistently in our <laughs> feedback. GMO did not prepare to do split, split planning off. Yes. Talk right? to yes. Formica. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
1: yeah. It's in one of those cards. <laughs> yeah. But eventually what we realized was the TAC has most of the brain power that you want in it to be mm-hmm. able to do planning on a short notice anyway or Frago off of a previous order. So what we eventually found ourselves doing was having the MCP back with the XO on the more long-term planning horizons for the known, like, we're going to transition to the counterattack. But at a certain point, we said, okay, fires S2, S3, and planner can roll with attack. That planner is a career force qualified captain. He can get us to the 80% we need while doing Battlefield search with the boss, while absorbing relevant information come back, turn it into everything that we need for fighting products. So
2: yeah, I mean, I think, yeah. you know, for folks listening out there, majors, battalion commanders, ops, arm, it's it's just thinking about it. It's thinking about like, okay, how am I gonna do this? Cause it's like, you've got these, you know, two groups that are mm-hmm. both working to solve problems. And if we don't consistently kind of come back together and talk, and it may not be physically, it may just be a JBCP message. Like, hey, boss is out with ACO. Here's what came up That's from, right. you know? We or the staff like, hey sir, here's where we're at. This is where the direction we're going. Um, You know, we end up with this like divergence, um, which is just so hard to come back from. And the sleep deprivation plays. It does. Oh boy. Um, (laughs) You know, what like we we talk about it. Uh, You know, one of the things. I mean, you know you the thinking traps that we all fall into like sunk cost fallacies like, well, we're just too far along. We got to. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that those become more pronounced when we're really tired.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. hundred um, percent. It's hard to come back from a, a not awesome plan when you're really tired and put a lot of work into it. Okay. Um, okay. Um, so, uh, you know, we talked, you know, planning guidance. Right. And, you know, I'll give you another one. This is, this is like carbon paper back to the 90s when I was in AS3 because commander's planning guidance on carbon paper, he gets to keep a copy, you get a copy, you get a copy, and then that that captain gets a copy. And so now we're not all like, you know, I've got the conk from uh, Lord Uh, of the Flies flies (laughs) and the uh, command
1: folks. (laughs) This speaks to another one of the problems that we identified, Or, or not even a problem, Just something we need to work through a little bit more deliberately. Our PSOP is laminated sheets of paper. To disseminate that, you have to do one of a couple of things. One is take a picture of it you, on ATAC. You get to. Yeah, you get, get
3: to. It. We get, get the opportunity. Right. land provides. land. provides.
1: land provides. Arnland provides. <laughs> I'm a slow learner. <laughs> um, you got to take a picture of it, get to take a picture of it on your ATAC and send it to the company commanders, but now it's on this tiny little screen that's dying of like 2% battery power. Yeah. Option two is you have a disciplined battle rhythm where companies come in and Create copies on their own copy of the piece with the Gregorian monk Brigade that just transcribed. The <laughs> right? um, or option three is you send a runner out to the companies with that information for them to again copy, which yeah. is time consuming. So yeah. the overarching like how do we really get dissemination down to something that is quick and efficient is something that I think we learned we've, we we could probably develop a little bit Wh- better. what did you
2: what did y'all? rely on, I mean, what were the
1: war fighting products? You're like,
2: these are like must have yeah. five-star Yelp review. Yep. Well
3: you're going to say the first one, because we definitely got. The,
1: the Sync Matrix? The Sync Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> I am a big fan of the Sync Matrix. Yeah. But, right. but, but preceding the Sync Matrix yep. is the Event Temp. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, owned by the S2.
3: Yep, FSSCM, FSCM, yeah. Fire Support, yeah. Fire, fire Support
1: fire. Execution Matrix. Yep. Operational Graphics.
2: Okay, now you're in my love language. Yeah. All right.
1: Yeah. What else? And then those, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think those are the four core ones. Core ones. The tinsel on the tree. Nice to have, but Christmas will happen if you don't have it. Or, or depending on the operation we're executing. X-Check DSM.
3: Yep. And then, the, yeah. so the other ones, which we put them in are annexes. They're not in our fighting products. It's in an annex if we're conducting things that we consider a battalion fight. So That's right. So F-Pole, R-Pole, um, TAA occupation. Mm-hmm. Things where two units uh, assembly, are
2: converging assembly
1: areas yeah. yep. during the jump.
3: Yep.
2: Yeah, I, I've, you know, I think uh, the DSM, um, you know, certainly Sync Matrix, if done right, mm-hmm. depending on how many decisions you have, can you can you can put the decision points at yeah. the battalion level. I would submit at the brigade level. You can't. No, that's, that's correct. Yeah, and that's and that's stuff. what we. That's that's
1: why I say like it's yeah. nice to have, but yeah, very frequently not
2: needed. Um, yep. You know, the graphics are always hard. Right, because you 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 need the well-trained army of E4 monks yep. uh, to reproduce those.
3: We actually found that that was that was easier for us than the because it's an analog piece up, developing and people's handwriting, which we need to do a staff yeah. academy on handwriting. Uh, All
1: capital letters. Yeah. No. No negotiation. So
3: we've we've got that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And. Uh, so, you know, what we found in one of our orders productions is at the end there, as we're like coming to when we were going to provide the order, um, he and I were like scribbling to get stuff down because we we're kind of trying to consolidate it and just trying to overcome uh, some yeah. handwriting issues. But the, the map graphics were a little bit easier because there wasn't as much handwriting involved. We were able to give every company rolled up uh, pieces of you know, right. acetate. With their operational graphics enemy you know event temp, all that rolled up, and like here it is taped for you so I got a giant
2: go. nerd thing here, so i'm like uh I call it like field grade field craft right, and the ability to produce this stuff like there's the there's the content of it, which mm-hmm. that's a whole other you know really important conversation um but the uh, the field gra- the field grade field craft. I mean, carbon paper, sink matrix, all day long, right? Because yeah. if I have two sets of it, I can produce eight copies That's right. in a matter of minutes, right? Um, you know, likewise with an X check, preformatted. You know, in term, you know th- these are ways I think you can you can speed this up. The graphics. Um, you know, one everybody should ban bold markers. I think I caught you with a bold marker.
3: You caught it on a map. I'm not going to rub anyone out, but okay, it was a map. Okay. <laughs> okay. You caught you caught us out there. Mm-hmm. All right. I did take my lashing though. Good. I received right. it. Yeah. Our um, land provides. Our and, land provides.
2: You know, in the in the, so, you know, we talk like company graphics. Like this is what I would give you, is standardized company and platoon map boards. Yes. So yeah. when we produce graphics. Yep. That's right. They're all cut
3: the same size.
2: That, all the time, yeah. yep. every time. That's what we did. That's right? and
3: that, yeah, and that was huge. It and was, it was from coaching, uh, you know, receiving the coaching. And so that was one of the PCC's, PCI's that we did in RSOI. Yeah. Uh, was their map board? After the car of the boss who inspected every platoon leader's map board. What were the ones right? he had? So we had that. We did company trains inspected company what do your company trains look like and what's your concept to actually show like this is what you're like we right. want it laid out everything you're having yeah. company trains. AT weapon system functionality. AT weapon functionality, system functionality.
2: Because uh, I've, I've never left anything behind. Yeah.
3: <laughs> there was a fourth yeah. one.
1: Uh, pa- Parachute packing list. That's
3: right because it was weight for you know <clears throat> <the> parachute. <throat> so that we actually did yeah. that and uh, weighing them before going up to
2: the ISB. But the warfighting products really become, at the end of the day, these are the things that we fight off of. Yeah. These are the things that become, you know, so important. And it does take practice.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. It takes, it takes practice to develop them. I think it takes a different level of practice to get the staff used to using them to fight the fight. Yeah. Um, and what we've identified now is like we think we have our staff pretty much aligned on the production and use of them. The next step is getting the companies to understand why these things are valuable to them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially the sync matrix. Like, there's a lot on there that is not your company's fight, at least as you narrowly conceive it.
2: No. How is that? Do you guys use like 10 point font in that or
1: really bad handwriting or are you using intent graphics? So we use intent graphics as much as possible and we sequence them over time in terms of what's going first, second, third. More time blocks vice hour by hour because there's a little bit of guesswork on when things will happen. but the only text that you'll ever see in there will be um, task or purpose. Most of yeah. the rest of it is pure graphic description or targets.
2: Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I've found that like
1: <clears throat> it, you know, under, under
2: MVGs, like yeah. that's the way to do it. That's right. right? It's just way yeah. easier to keep the plot of what we're doing. Um, all right, well, cool. Um, what else did you
1: guys learn? Oh boy. <laughs> um,
3: Learned the importance of uh, maintaining a sleep cycle. Yeah. yeah, which we, look, we went into it with a plan.
2: Everybody's got a plan,
3: right? We went in with a plan. Yeah. Everybody's got um, a plan. It,
2: it briefed really
3: well. It did Until really we well. get punched in the mouth. Absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, and I think that there were too many times where we felt like multiple of the top five needed to be up at the same time, yeah. especially during- it's, it's
1: that need, like there's one more thing I can do. There's yep. one more, th- and you have to make the call, like what's the marginal utility of me doing that one more thing? Mm-hmm. by just getting 20 to 40 minutes of sleep. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: I, I'm a... You know, w- you'd never drive a car after drinking half a bottle of Jim Beam. Yep. Right? You probably shouldn't fight a battalion. That's right. After yes. After right. drinking,
3: yeah. you know, a, a six-pack. And I mean, we talked about it being like, you know, like yeah. Ranger School. I think one of the things that I learned, something I knew about myself anyway, right? But land provided me the lesson Arland again. Provides. Um provides. Is... You know what does each person look like when they're a little drunk? You know when they're yeah. when they're and in my case when it's sleep I'm a lot different when I'm actually drunk I'm a very happy drunk when I'm a sleep drunk. Uh, I, you know, Where's the where are you're, the frustration?
1: Just a ray of sunshine. Really.
3: I, yeah, I really am. I'm a very happy real drunk. Um, a sleep drunk. It's you know where the frustration where does it bleed yeah. over um, and where am I uh, internalizing as the XO. All the problems that are coming to me, he comes back out from the tack and talks about one thing, right? And the boss comes back and talks about something else. And then me internalizing them instead of um, seeing that they're delegating them. Right. Yeah, and the, the we cannot fail. I'm not good enough to have, the, I'm not good enough to think that. <laughs> and so no, like, and, and, and I so mean, like putting this, myself on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, and I think it's a product, it is a product, like fatigue like makes yeah. it harder to delegate and delegate well, yeah. right? Which is ultimately like feel great officers, like this is the name of the game. Like all day and, and well, right? Mm-hmm. Like when I mean, there's delegating and there's delegating and well. well. Yeah. And um, yeah, I get it. So, so in this vein, like, uh, g- g- you know, give yourselves letter grades of employment and non commissioned officers uh, on the staff.
3: Yeah. So yeah.
2: We, we'll, let the, we'll let the three go first. Yeah. Give yourself a letter grade. Um, <sighs> hmm.
1: I think I'd give myself a C. Okay, it's passing. It's passing. Um,
2: but we got we got work to do if we're gonna be on the dean's list. All yeah. right.
3: So so I'm giving myself two grades, right? Okay. Because I think that uh, Ops Sergeant Major and I were an A at using each other and using yeah. two NCOs specifically. Mm-hmm. I mean A plus, and we were a D minus at best at using. The the rest of, of the NCOs yeah, we had.
1: That's why
3: I gave myself. Yeah, a C. so that's I so I, would, yeah, I, so I would he, he average. Great. Yeah, so I would probably you know average. It. And and there were times where Opsar Major and I together you know it, we let it become a he and I against the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's and that's awesome. just not awesome. Yeah. yeah, and especially as sleep deprivation and yeah. time and problems uh, you know mounted, it became more of that. So this is
2: like a cr- I mean I don't want to say a crime, but this is one that comes up like over and over again you know across you know, CTC rotations, JMRC, NTC, uh, um, you know, and, and here, um, you know, wh- what are you gonna do about it going
1: forward? Um, a couple of things coming to mind immediately. Yeah. <clears throat> we did deliberately integrate NCOs into our LTP, um, yeah. in, into planning. And then we kind of stopped doing that when we went into our FTX because we had a huge influx of lieutenants and a bunch of new talent to manage. And we said, okay, NCOs go do NCO things, which is a euphemism for pull security and make all the security arrangements and make sure we get resupply, right? Yeah. And we kind of allowed that to snowball forward until we got here. I think what we do about it going forward is go back to that. There is a definite role for planning for, for example, Sergeant Carpik, yes, while we're doing COA deb op sergeant major should be continually getting touch points to see if this crazy idea passes the common sense test. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, I mean,
2: you know, uh, my own personal view is like, you know, we'll, we'll look at, you know, rotation and we'll say, wow, you know, like really should have gotten more involvement from the NCOs and I mean, the first place that we got to look is officers with us. That's right, right? Oh yeah. You know? yeah that's
1: right. Absolutely. I, I, I th-
2: appreciate you, you know, being being very transparent. I don't
1: that. think it's uncharitable to say that at least on my end, I was like, "I'm it's JRTC. We're in the box. I'm going to grab the captain I know can do this job because I trained yeah. him. Yeah. Vice, develop an NCO and get the benefits that come with that NCO: yeah. common sense, transparency, yeah. s- simple orders spoken well."
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think there, you know, so we, we one of the conversations that we we had here with commanders, you know, and and you heard all American Seven, I'm sure, say this. You know, it's like the three types of commanders that come here: those yeah. that sit back and watch their unit train, those that um, you know, come here and train their unit, and those that fight to win. Yep. And I actually think to be a commander that's gonna fight and win, or, or an officer here that's gonna fight and win, you, you also have to simultaneously be training people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I got 100%. six deployments, yep. and I've trained people in every single deployment, right? Yep. And it's the nature of, of turnover of people, mm-hmm. of, of just like expanded requirements, right? Yep. And so, to win, I think we gotta actually constantly be training, 100, percent right? Mm-hmm. Um, even in combat, I mean, we're gonna be like, you know, because unfortunately, if if what we've seen, you know, in the Ukraine is any example of like we're gonna be, tr- you know, we're gonna be taking uh, a staff sergeant and preparing them to potentially, you know, be a platoon sergeant, or taking, you know, a yeah. uh, lieutenant and preparing them to be a company commander, and um, you know, this integration throughout in training. Um, is I think really the key to building a foundation that we have NCOs because that's where we're going to get sleep is yeah. we got an NCO that's, that's right. like, hey, sir, I got this. Um, I got this. I can, you know, a Sergeant First Class that can run an Opsync. Yeah. And there's no reason they can't. That's right. Yeah. Right? We just got to like make them, bu- you know, build enough experience yeah. and make them comfortable by letting them do it a couple of times that like, yeah, that's our yeah. First Class that.
3: Well, and I think, you know, to what, to the question of what are we going to do to fix that is, yeah. We're not gonna necessarily have a lot of collective training events just based on the ORC and what we're going into, but yeah. we are gonna have multiple opportunities from, the MCP. Yeah, and from multi-echelon training and validating the MCP yeah. as we go out into some of these training events, team leaders course, team live fires and squad live fires that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then anytime that you know, a company goes out to train, whether it's a range or sticks or whatever, deploying the MCP and getting a rep at that. Also incorporating uh, some of those mission command systems into uh, staff duty. And so you're right. training up not just you know NCOs that are going to be in their company in their company CPs to know how to how to use that that JBCP two or the the um, but uh, but also having them um, ready to when they eventually fleet up to staff now they're So
2: trained. so you were a striker company commander and you were an airborne company commander yes, sir. right yeah. right. So I bet you tracked individual weapons qualification, combat lifesavers yes, sir. right, and yeah. you tracked drivers yep. gunnery. tc's gunnery individual yep. Yep. imagine if we did that with our staffs yep. right? right you know we track those crews yep. the same way yep. right like hey this person certified on the uh, you guys got a bunch of newfangled radios, <laughs> right yeah, 163, 162. 163 162 this yep. one certified we you know mio you know, from for Micah certified you know pfc hardman on graphics that pfc hardman knows yeah. how to copy yeah. graphics right <clears throat> yep and we actually track that,
3: yep.
2: now all of a sudden, like, we, we, and we're gonna have turnover, so we're gonna have gaps, Coffee just on. like you had as company commanders. Um, I think that's kind of the key here. It's like, we gotta have a system by which we track and we can really see our, our real readiness yep. within our our, our staffs, mm-hmm. um, which is hard. Um, but I mean, that's the, you know, I came down here, my S1 uh, got a concussion on the jump in, and my s one into IC IC, uh, broken ankle. Specialist, battalion S1, whole rotation. Rough, first 72 hours. But then like- Yeah,
3: figured it out. Then he figured
2: it out. And yeah. it was like, he was great at
3: it. I know, mean, he there's, turned there's, in per stat, yeah. accurate, received per stat every day. The way that our yeah. battalion commander asked us is where's all the trap talent trap capacity? Yeah. Right? Who are the guys that we have relegated to security? Um, or, you know, yeah, we're leaving money and, on the table. it. Right, exactly. Right, and there, right. there is trap capacity, um, yeah. that, that we're not tapping into and that's shame on us. Yeah. And, and I get, and we got punished by it for lack of sleep yeah. and that was our punishment. And yeah, then, ta- is. And then pain the pain is a teacher and then, and then our the, land the, provides. <laughs> the unfortunate thing is when we got punished by a lack of sleep, it's not just us that got punished Then the battalion got punished. Right. And, and then the brigade the, got punished. The down trace yes.
2: of not giving companies the things they want yep. or they need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what other, what else? Obstacles. Yes. We're to talk about that one. Yeah. We're to talk yeah. obstacles. Well, like, yeah. not a metaphor. Not like a metaphor. Real a obstacles. Real
1: obstacles. <laughs> so, so our a first. Sync We, we, we jump in, we do CompLine 8200 and we then had to establish the airhead line and we got know to. we got a transition. Got to. You got to. Our land provided. What did I say? You said had, had to. to. Had to. Got to. Got to. to. I'm sorry. Positive middle. <laughs> I said, I, I said I'm a slower. I feel like, I feel like this is well established. Yeah um, transition to hasty defense and mm-hmm. over turns we realized, okay, this actually has a little deliberate. bit more time built in. It can be a deliberate defense. And we'll when, be, Yeah, when do we stop preparing the defense? Never. Never. Ah, good answer, you <laughs> guys are a go. <laughs> so we, during our SOI, we, we came up with a plan for what that hasty defense might look like. And we even put some little intent graphics and we had yeah. the task force engineer say like, yeah, we'll do like a serpentine of C wire here and like a turnoff off here. Yep. And that was, that was kind of where our planning stopped. Um, for obstacle in placement. And what we came to learn over the course of the rotation is like, that is a hand wave. it's yes. not an actual plan for maximizing time of assets. It's not truly getting after EA dev where you determine where you wanna kill the enemy and place obstacles, lay indirect fires, place direct fires on top.
2: Hold on, we got back up. Like every single time, particularly this time, every single time we put in a deliberate obstacle that started from where we wanna kill the enemy, right. yes. worked backwards to an obstacle, yep. Observers, direct fire, indirect
1: fires, what, are we, what, what was the outcome? We, we did very well. We, we killed a lot bunch of G-Man. dead, bad yeah. Geronimo. A lot yeah. of dead G-man. Yeah. Right. But that evolved for Fitz turns <laughs> yes. in OCT coaching. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, because, what, and this is again back on me, I outsourced that thinking to a very talented but very second lieutenant to do the thinking and said, figure it out right. you're warped. So we got like a captive audience here. Here's what I found. Whenever
2: we're either planning or in placing an obstacle and we don't have a maneuver friend, a fires that's friend, right. and an right. engineer friend <laughs> together, yeah, it's not awesome. Yep. We get those three like, you know, it's like Wonder Twin Powers activate or Wonder yeah. Triplets activate, it's yeah. awesome.
3: Right. Yep. Right. And, and that's mean, what it, that's. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's like second to. lieutenant engineer yeah. is
2: like yep. I mean, he's super excited about, you know, building the Maginot line. He yep. just needs
3: and thankfully, we had the time to iterate on it and get that yeah, you know yeah. pl- plug for, for what Task Force in 3. What happened
1: would not have happened had we had to defend within the first 24 hours. Yes.
3: Right. And had we not—so there's another coaching point that we received. And I'll give my you know, shout-out to Task Force 3 and the Kilo team. Like They continued to coach us throughout. Had we not had that time and received that coaching to be able to push the Command Sergeant Major out, push the Ops Sergeant Major out, give him, give him some freedom— to go out and and not do battlefield circulation, but battlefield enforcement, Inspections. Battlefield right? Inspect, Leadership, battlefield enforcement. right? Yeah, and and he even saw it from not just an obstacle point of view, but also from a culture of the battalion point of view. The company that where he went up, he tell he tells the story of, you know, he was kind of correcting uh, one situation, and another soldier came up and goes, "Come come over here, look at the fighting position that I built." Like he was proud of it. you, um, you know, it awesome. and this
2: is the thing too, right? Is like everybody like everybody loves America. Right. I mean, the folks we got doing this love America. Uh, Oftentimes they just don't know or they know, but they don't have enough experience to to act with certainty and alacrity in what they're doing. And um, so that's like one It's awesome here because like the. um, You know, I was really fortunate. I mean, my battalion sergeant major when I came here as a battalion commander, my brigade sergeant major when I came here as a brigade uh, commander. That's exactly what they were doing and it, it's like all the difference in the world. Like a SAR major is way better um, at the nuts and bolts of you know, direct fire weapons placement, okay. uh, obstacle um, fighting positions because they've just done it way more than us. Like we know that. what we want to do. They know, no, no, like this is how you actually do that. Well, right? they,
3: they know how to take the, the pretty intent graphics and make them a real thing. But also right. you mentioned, you know, having a good SAR major. We're so yeah. blessed to have yeah. two of them. Like yeah. the command yeah. SAR major, ops SAR major, are amazing, and you can tell they're amazing not just from their knowledge and how much we lean on them, uh, but also from when they go out, yeah. when a soldier wants to see One, them there. Yeah,
2: wants that feedback. Yeah, a paratrooper a real, wants
3: him there. It's like, wow. That's a real right, art to that. It's a, it's a combat multiplier for yeah. sure. Yeah,
2: and I mean, the, you guys got it right. I mean, out at Smith Villa and then down on Dugout Road, yeah. uh, we got real effects when we got obstacles in the right place so that we could you know, disrupt or fix an enemy where yeah. we wanted to kill them. Yep. And mass direct fires and direct fires. Uh, what'd you learn about fires? Because uh, like, you know, we had we had you know <laughs> yeah. things that went awesome and things that didn't go awesome. And I'll you know I'm gonna focus on the went awesome. What yeah. made it when you were, in those two instances you had effective fires? Uh-huh. They were timely, they were accurate, uh-huh. they were lethal. Why?
1: well-designated um, observers who knew they were the observers <clears throat> with very simplified triggers. It's really rough to
2: yep. be the observer when nobody's told you you're that's the right.
1: observer,
0: yeah, That's right. right. So yeah. in
1: Smith Villa, it was the scouts. <laughs> yeah. And yep. in uh, Dugout Road, it was Apache Company and they knew, like, your your sole purpose here is to prevent a southern envelopment. Yep. Yeah. Um, so we, we iterated several times on making the triggers as simple as they could possibly yes. be. Yeah.
2: They, they were effective. They weren't too cute. It wasn't, yeah,
1: it's so. not five we minutes after. We weren't doing calculus. No, right? it's like guy pops out of tree line, activate. Yeah, right. Um, but the other big thing, not in not in Dugout Road, but in Smith Villa, was not just technical rehearsal, but registration of the guns because right these on. are pre-planned yep. targets. Right on. Yeah, which Good which done. helps
3: with the responsiveness that we saw then later when we had struggles with fires. It was from you know a lack of responsiveness. Lack. Yeah. it was also from FM Dig going down. Things like like working through our our systems and our pace plan and yeah. how we work that. And also, you know, understanding that um, for us, it's a little bit easier with when we keep simple triggers. When I say for us, I mean battalion level, we weren't really, you know, shooting behind the duck because yeah. the duck's right there. and you know, we see yeah. it coming yeah. Vers- versus the deep fight can be a lot more difficult. And, and I think where we, even in ours, um, struggling with the IC and tying, you know, closing that kill chain quicker and tying our IC nothing, to our fires. Nothing
2: beats a ground you know, breathing scout. Yeah. Right? I mean nothing beats a human being with good communications that knows they're the observer. Yep. Yeah. And ideally, you know, knows two makes one. That's right. Right? Yep. Yeah. You know, primary and alternate observer. And then really this technical fires rehearsal. Yes. And the and and when possible, registration. Yeah. Um, I mean this is the key. And you guys have, you know, as a battalion brigade, you put that to great effect at Smith Villa and, and down at Dugout Road. All right. Hey, so before we close out, you get uh, closing comment, closing comment, and then you get at, you
1: each get ask me a question. Okay. okay. Um, wow. Closing comment. I think so. I, I already said how this rotation is the most physically exhausting of the four that I've been on, but I also think it was the one where the staff felt least broken coming out of it, and I, and like I think emotionally, <laughs> emotionally, we came out of this still very cohesive with yeah, good yeah. humor still able to be self-deprecating, but still yes. taking the job really seriously.
2: Well, um, I mean, I watched y'all's battalion AR. I mean, it was just, you know, humble, um, uh, introspective. You know, people were really seeking out problems to solve, were willing to give constructive feedback of like, hey, this didn't work. And, and then people took responsibility. And I mean, that's just like really healthy when you see that, because that's where the learning is going to happen.
1: Um, and so I, what I was going to say, sir, is again t- talking about preparation before you get to JRTC. That sort of stuff obviously doesn't happen overnight. Um, I think that's a function of uh, the culture that we've we've got in our battalion, yeah. where there's no pretense. Yeah, like we're here to do our job. If you think you have a better way of doing it, offer that up. If you don't, execute. Yeah. Um, and I think it, I think it worked really well for us, in spite of sleep deprivation and, yeah. and everything else we, we we saw as a as a hurdle.
3: Yeah, I think so. You know, you. S- Stole there what being the same mind. My closing comment of cult, you know, culture, strategy for breakfast, right? And you could build that over time. Um, So I'll go with a a different closing comment. Um,
0: And well,
2: you know, I think one of the things with like culture is like we are what we do. Yes. Right? Like habits really matter, organizational habits matter. And, um, you know, preparation, when we commit to preparing, we always prepare and it's just as a habit to always prepare yeah. you know we take feedback we, we pull feedback that just becomes a habit you're going to fall back to what you do right mm-hmm. and so you know it's i think for majors it's really important right like you help set that tone with and we always like we got a csl select you know leader commander in a battalion and a command sergeant major and they're a huge part of setting the tone for culture but i think you know i think back to the majors i had when i mm-hmm. was a lieutenant and captain and they're the reason i stayed in the army Right, Not that I didn't have some great battalion commanders, I did, um, but really, you know, the majors make a huge difference. I mean, the way, because you guys are doing a lot of stuff sometimes, it's just not a lot of fun.
3: Yeah. As, but if Colonel, you, as Colonel Kleisner refers to the sons and daughters of toil. Yeah,
2: yeah. and I mean, you know, I had a boss that called staff work like a necessary evil. It's necessary because we couldn't do anything without it. It's evil because of the toll it takes, right? Yeah. It's these long hours. It's it can be it can be very frustrating work. The difference from a cohesion standpoint is when you have, I think, majors that are doing it that can keep their sense of humor. Oh, yeah. And don't it, don't lash out in frustration at people that are inexperienced, right? That just need to
1: be developed. And I think part of what makes that possible, and Doug and I have talked about this a lot. He and I are both very comfortable being who we, we are. are. There's no. I am a nerd, and I play that every day for the captains and lieutenants. It's Okay, so, okay hold on. Star Trek, Star Wars. Both, but Star Trek mostly. <laughs> okay. Right? And the lieutenants know this. The, right. the lieutenants who are nerds embrace it. Yeah. The same for him. He is who yeah. he is, and yeah. he's not going to pretend to be something he's not.
3: And what I think is most important, because I've lived it the opposite,
1: is when you have
3: a boss that lets you be yeah. who you are and yeah. encourages you to be. Um, it doesn't feel good when you have the opposite. But yeah. when you have a battalion commander that not only we're comfortable being who we are, but a battalion commander who celebrates and uses the most of every person, not just us yeah. or company commanders, et cetera, you know, um, that can really build. Yeah, um, but yeah I, it's pulling out the best in people. Yeah, right? and, and I think, so I guess in this, you kind of tied to it. I guess since we had talked, you took the culture piece, I guess my closing comment, and we've had it throughout, we talked about our land provides, right? And is this is, Bountiful. this can be seen as something you have to do and you're just sent to it. Um, it can conversely, and I fell into this at times, be seen as like the Super Bowl, where it's like, I can't let it fail, uh, right? Yeah. And, and and I put that on my shoulders when there was no need to at times, right? Yeah. Um, and nor am I good enough that I'd be able to fix the not failing. Uh, I think if you come in here with the attitude that you're gonna get to see exactly where your battalion is, and you're gonna get to see every, the fruits of all your labor and the things that you get to do when you leave Ireland, because guess what? You're gonna leave Ireland, right? Yeah. And, Hopefully. Most people. Leave. Most people. Some people get to stay, they stay get forever. Hotel get get California. Yeah. And, so, and so, you know, when you get to go back, uh, <laughs> as, as I have gotten some sleep over the last couple of days. Um, you have? And, yeah, a little bit. Um, and have reflected on uh, reflected on it. It's seeing it as an opportunity of something that we got to do. And coming in here with that attitude um, has made all the difference. And I think if you approach your field grade years as that too, you're exactly what you just mentioned the field grades that, like, the, the lieutenants and the captains look at. It's not as, oh, that's something I have to do versus that's something that I can get to do.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah I cued yeah. in on that when I, I was anticipating it. I, uh,
2: I mean, I look back at my time as a brigade XO and it's one of my favorite experiences, and one of the hardest jobs I've ever done, uh, hugely humbling. <laughs> um, but I mean, it really, the opportunity to truly make a difference for a large organization, yeah. um, you know, to help my commander, to help my command sergeant major, to help the whole brigade, um, help the division and, and get to be a part of that was, mm-hmm. I had, had a blast. I mean, I loved it. And, um, you know, the. I mean, this is a $60 million exercise we're doing, right? Like, we, we got to approach it with, I think, that mindset of, you know, we're, we're here to make everybody better, I and mean, this is what we're here to do. And it's a ton of fun. I mean, I, you know, Colonel Kleisner and I were talking about, Devil Six. I mean, if you if you'd put me in the game right now, I'd want to do it. Full well known being on this right. side, like yeah. how hard it is, right? right? It's right. hard. Um, and I think one of the mythologies is that you can't win here, yeah.
3: That's you know, we won and lost here, right? right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly we it. Def- we definitely, yeah, we definitely <coughs> had a win and we, we definitely, definitely had a loss, right? <laughs> that's exactly it, yeah. And
2: um, and, you know, we we understandably tend to focus on the losses and those, yeah. those sting more, right? Yeah. And it's usually it's usually because something we didn't do, yeah, right. right? I mean, that was my experience <laughs> yeah. here as a battalion commander and brigade commander. Um, but units come here and win, and y- you know, you—I would actually argue—you know, you had certainly at the battalion level, you guys had straight up a full win on one and another one. You know, you, probably com- at least that company won,
3: yeah.
2: right? And the challenge yeah. is to aggregate enough of those wins together at the company and the battalion level yeah. into brigade wins. Yeah. And because um, you know, that's how we fight, we fight right now as part of a brigade, and then you know, the division is the tactical uh, or principal tactical formation. Yeah. Um, but you can come here and win, and I think that's this idea that you can't is, is dangerous. Um,
3: it becomes an excuse, it does you come right. in here with the idea that you can't win, then it makes the, it makes losing okay, and yeah, it's not okay. It's
2: not okay. I yeah. mean, you know, our soldiers uh, and paratroopers yeah. expect to win, as they should, and the American yeah. people expect us to win. Um, it isn't easy. It's by design not meant to be. Yeah. Um, but you can come here and win. And I think there's, a, I think there's you know, that, the brigade AR, I think, did a good job of pulling out um, the decision points and the <laughs> yes, dialogues yeah. about the decisions yeah. that got made because ultimately, you know, it's, just, it's, it's risk and opportunity. We're just seeing risk and opportunity over and over again, and um, watching commanders make those decisions informed by staffs is is awesome, yeah. um, because our you know our army wants to win, and, and we're gonna and this isn't the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, this is training. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's great uh, mindset and approach to all this. And
3: you talked about you know with what All American Seven you know kind of when he was the called yeah. three ways he puts it, you would never deploy your formation to combat with any mindset other than we're gonna win. Right. So like, we, But we gotta, but Arlington. habits. Yeah. yeah.
2: It, habits matter. Yep. And we gotta practice winning yeah. and trying to win
3: all the time. Absolutely, and, and if you do that and you lay everything out on the field, yeah. then even when you lose, you're, at least in Ireland, you're walking away yeah. uh, with lessons. And, and you can take that as a win versus if yeah. you came in with Absolutely. the mindset of losing, then you yeah. can't walk away with that with a win.
2: Yeah, and, uh, you know, we're, and we're not playing soccer, so we're not playing for a draw No, ever. All right, so you get asked a question now. You first. Yeah, I'll you get to go, go first. We we'll reverse chalk Okay. Order.
3: All right. So um, we talked in this last, you know, in our rotation, right, with our brigade. Of what is the what is the last digital headquarters, right? Yeah. Um, and we came into this largely with other than our WinTAC, WinTAC, atac which you know, not every formation, if they haven't received ITN, that um, they don't have that, or whether it's JBCP. That's kind of like what we came in as the battalion level, and we were fighting analog, and then that brigade was the last. Uh, digital headquarters and then for most of it, we didn't have upper, upper TI until we got to live fire and we realized we needed it for a because our FM dig went down. And um, we had the capability, we just didn't normally run it. Yeah. What do you see uh, as the, the sweet spot for digital systems, especially as we try to keep MCPs small yeah. and survivable? Um, what is the right sweet spot for battalion and for brigade?
2: I mean, I think um, you know right now in space and time, I think they, the swivel chair, the responsibility for owning that has to be at the brigade level, yeah. right? Um, I, I don't think it's, you know, I think we should avoid always or never. Um, and I think some of the emerging capabilities uh, that are out there are gonna allow us in a more efficient and effective and more survivable way have the right digital capability and capacity at the battalion level, mm-hmm. uh, but it can't come at the expense of being agile and survivable. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it, at least in our current construct, like the brigade still gotta be able to, to swivel digital and analog, yeah. um, but companies fight off analog. Um, yeah. You know, rifle, a rifle company and an IBCD fights off analog. Um, you gotta be able to do that. You know, it's like the, the what you need uh, digital um, up at the battalion levels, I think. And, and I think there's ways to do this, right? It's not, again, I don't think it's an all or nothing um, you know, going forward. I do think, here's one, I think that we gotta be comfortable um, being able to go black yeah. Yes. Um, yep. This is going to tie very nicely into my. Credit. I think yes. we got to be yep. able to go black at some point, and I think we can, right? We can. Like, yep. uh, I think the ability, to like, okay, comms windows, yeah, very Combs disciplined. Room. You know, ideally yep. comms windows with data. Yep. Uh, so we're pushing a bunch with a short burst. Yep. Um, but I think the ability to fight off maneuver graphics and be disciplined to stay within those maneuver graphics that are detailed have sufficient detail to let us fight. Yep. Um, you know, and, and even potentially uh fires that are time on target. Um I, I think we can do it. I think you know, I think we're gonna see it here as we're up in the SEMA the environment. Uh battalion, it's time. It's time. Uh, you know, night infiltration yeah. off comps for six, eight hours and showing up
1: behind Geronimo and wrecking shop on there. And I'm excited about it. So my, my question was going to be of the flavor. <clears throat> I think a lot of. I was hoping for a Kobayashi Maru question. No, this, well, no, oh. no, this
3: tide
2: really. Well,
1: actually. This, <laughs> there is this was no not such an un, unwinnable scenario, sure. Um, well, I think a lot of leaders <laughs> think information warfare basically consists of tweeting at the enemy because we all read like war, um, and I think there's a tendency to not observe like at the battalion brigade level, at the tactical level, information warfare means how well you control the electromagnetic spectrum. Like that's really what this boils down to. What is what is you what do you see as the glide path at JRTC on really t- testing and training that at the brigade and battalion level?
2: Um, so you know we'll stay at the right level here. Yes, sir. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know we're already doing things to make the environment more realistic, right? I mean, step one is we have to make the operational environment more realistic. Um, you know, two, um, the signature for <clears throat> for evil Geronimo, bad Geronimo here has to be more real. Has to be more targetable, yeah. right? Um, you know, they're going forward, they're going to have, uh, C2, uh, and sustainment that's far more targetable. Um, and, I, and it, for, for a whole host of reasons, one is like, we want to, we want brigades to fight against that Two, I think they'll adapt, frankly, probably faster than a lot of other units. Yeah. Yeah. And then that will become best practices that we can feed back in, yeah. um, and then, you know, it's continuing to work, um you know, with, with our higher headquarters, with Forcecom, and, and we, we t- I talk about this with uh, Outlaw One out at the National Training Center, and we talk once a month on this stuff, um, you know, sharing ideas to help our command posts be, you know, maintain functionality while getting smaller and more survivable. And um, I mean, we're, uh, we're moving I and mean, we're not gonna sit back and wait. We're gonna, tr- we're gonna try stuff, we're gonna adapt, we're gonna evolve. And we're getting a lot of help and i mean that like in the in, in a really positive way um you know i think we got the right leader focus across the army on this it's some of these are just hard problems um so you know it's going to take all of us together kind of leaning in to do it and and being creative uh going forward but we've got to be functional right i mean this you know that's the other part of this it's we got to be functional this this cannot be like Hey, we'll never be able to talk. So it doesn't matter. And we're going to yeah. be in like some kind of post post-modernist world where nobody plans and nobody communicates. Yeah. Um, going forward. All right. Anything else for me? I'm good. I think so. sir. Okay. Hey, uh, so I'll close my, you know, my closing comments, I had a ton of fun. I mean, this, this rotation was a blast, right? And Doug, I know you from before and, and you by reputation, Tony and, um, you know, one, I think, you know, watching your battalion, it was fun watching you win some fights. It was really good. Uh, it was fun watching you guys get better every single day. I mean, that's all of us on this side. That's what we kind of hope for. I mean, we are, it may not always seem that we are really emotionally invested in what happens. I mean, we want you all to do well. We know that when you leave here, this might be the last training event that you ever got, right, before you go into harm's way. And so we take that really, really seriously. I appreciate the professionalism that y'all approached the rotation. And thanks for joining us today and sharing what you learned um, going forward. I think this is what's going to make our army better. So thanks for what you do. Appreciate it it. all the way. Cool.
3: Thanks, sir. Thanks, sir.
0: Thank you for joining us on The Crucible,
2: the JRTC experience.
0: The Joint Readiness Training Center is the premier crucible training experience. We prepare units to fight and win in the most complex environments against world-class opposing forces. We are America's leadership laboratory. Again, we'd like to thank our guests for participating. This podcast was created and produced by Mr. John Mabes. It was recorded and edited by Chief Thomas Rich and researched by First Lieutenant Anthony Cho. Intro vocals were done by Mr. Robert Chopper. Special thanks to Captain Jermaine Branch and Mr. Jeff England from Public Affairs. Be sure to like and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest warfighting TTPs learned through the crucible that is the Joint Readiness Training Center. Follow us by going to HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash L-I-N-K-T-R Ee forward slash JRTC. We'd like to thank our partners at the Center for Army Lessons Learned of the Combined Arms Center, especially the JRTC Call Observations Detachment. Be sure to follow them on social media as well. Follow them at forward slash forward slash www.army.mil.com Forward slash c-a-l-l don't forget to like subscribe and review us wherever you listen or watch your podcasts and be sure to stay tuned for more in the near future the crucible the j-r-t-c experience is a product of the joint readiness training center